You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, guys? This is the 3 a.m. podcast. My name is Sean. My name is DJ. My name is Charlie. And together, we're just a couple friends. We like to tell scary stories. Come join us around our campfire tonight. Actually, legit, there is a fire. We got a fire for the studio. <laughs> Dude, it's actually kind of dope. <laughs> Except for lighting it is a little wild. Sean almost just burnt his hand off. <laughs> uh, and if you want to see that fire, go to our YouTube. Go subscribe. Watch our episodes on YouTube. And don't forget, turn on notifications because you want to see all of those videos come up. Yeah, yeah. That's the 3AM pod. Yeah. 3AM scary stories. It will pop up. Yeah. Boys, how are you? Good. Talk to me. What do you want to talk about first? There's so many things. Uh, wait, I want to talk to you. Oh. What? D- DJ. <laughs> DJ stabbed me in the back. What, dude? I'm pretty offended. We talked about, like, last week, DJ, we're all hanging out, and DJ goes to Sean. He's like, dude, how do I get a tour of Moon, <laughs> oh. Reed Moon's bookstore. And Sean's like, I'll put you in touch with my people. And I was like, bro, can I please go? I want to go with you. Make sure I can go. DJ's like, of course. <laughs> and then like this weekend, DJ texts us and goes, I just went to the, the rare bookstore. It was mind blowing. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, oh, all, all gutted, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I just decided that I hate you. <laughs> but but tell us more, though. How dope was it? Insane. It was uh, so I sick. need to go back because it wasn't an official tour. We went there um, without, like, an appointment or anything. Just rolled up. Seeing if uh, he could give us a tour. And real quick, if you're not sure what we're talking about, do you, you want to explain real quick? Yeah, Sean uh, talked a bit about this. It was one of his stories. Uh, Golden um, eggs. About, yeah, two, two months ago or so. But... Incredible, insane store by a man named Reed Moon, who is a well-known treasure hunter. And rare book collector. All of the above. Curator. And, yeah, he owns a a brick and mortar in Provo, Utah. And it's so random. With so many things. History. Their whole um, shtick is you tell them any... You give them a, a name of any event or person in history, and within one degree, they'll pull out an object that you can hold in your hands related to that event or person. Bro, did I tell you when they said that to us? No. And someone like said, what about Salem Witch Trials? And he like points over to this desk, and he's like, oh, that book right there, that is one of the uh, OG copies of Malus Maleficarum, which led to the Salem Witch Trials. And I'm like, what the f*** going on? Oh, my gosh. Um, unfortunately, Reed Moon wasn't there. Uh, one of the other workers uh, were there, but she was gracious enough to show us a couple of things. It was a slow night, and uh, we I had some friends in town, and 
they were big into they're big into history. So I wanted to take them by Freaking there nerds. and uh, <laughs> and uh, get a tour. And we got a small scale tour. So we're I'm wanting to go back for the official one. Ooh, bro! But it's insane. The uh, they have a bunch of movie props, like uh, Harry Potter wands and stuff. No, dude. They have the One Ring. <gasps> For, uh, wait, yeah, uh, the One Ring to rule, to rule them, all? them all. Yeah, the One in Ring the darkness to rule them find them. <laughs> the thing is, seven rings to the elves, this nine <laughs> to the men, and one to Reed Moon. <laughs> okay, that's kind of the most mind blowing thing right there. That blew my mind. But here's the thing: I I talked about Helter Skelter because mm. you brought that up, and the woman said, "I know people come in here looking for specific things." But Mr. Moon, they refer to him as Mr. Moon. Okay. So Mr. <laughs> He's Mr. the coolest guy ever. Mr. Moon has uh, a whole back room and a vault in the store. And then he has his house with the vault. And then he has a warehouse. Altogether about uh, like over 10,000 items. And because of the value uh, and because of some contracts that he has, he has to uh, continually move some of the items oh, from store to store yeah just or from so location to location they don't actually know where it is at any given time so she says people will come in here asking do you have the one ring do you have this item it's like yes but it's not here on location and then they get disappointed like, and they don't I actually uh, refer to it as my precious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's hilarious that's good um <laughs> And we'll give them the whole hour tour, and they're not satisfied with it. It's because like, they miss their one thing. Exactly. So we just want people to come with an open mind, and we'll, we do our best. But that dude, I had no idea what I was getting in. Yeah. And yeah. I was blown away. Mm -hmm. I knew what I was getting into, and the expectations were not only met, but exceeded. Uh, but, the yeah, they have a few rooms dedicated to certain things. They have a room just for, like, movie props. Mm -hmm. So in there, I think those things, most of the things in those rooms stay it's the stuff in the back rooms that have to be rotated. Yep. yep. So like the the movie prop room, they have like Bilbo Baggins' vest. They have Katniss Everdeen's bow and arrow from oh Hunger gosh. Games. Uh, they have like all the storyboard or a bunch of storyboard uh, art, like the originals from Harry Potter, all on the wall. They have Ron Weasley's wand, and that's just like the movie room. It's a broke ass wand. <laughs> they have a they have Eat a slugs Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> they have a Christian room. Being in Provo, oh, big right. hit. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, dude. Like, uh, here's an actual chastity belt. <laughs> uh, William Tyndale, who is the man who translated the Bible into English, burned at the stake for that. Damn. Uh, very controversial character in uh, Catholicism history, and uh, reading and writing was outlawed for anyone outside of the upper class back then. So what they did is they had their Bible chained to the pulpit so, so that nobody take could, could take it, steal it, and learn for themselves. It was like that for hundreds of years. It's like that today. They Dark have ages, <laughs> anyone? They have one of the original Bibles with the chain still on it in that room. So that whole room is, is crazy. Um, That's wild. Yeah. It's so nuts. It's mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. Yeah, another room for Mormon history. Being in the Mecca of, of Mormonism, Provo, and Salt Lake City. They have a room for, uh, like, British royalty. So they have, like, Queen Elizabeth's, like, nightgown and all these other crazy things related to, like, Princess Diana. Prince Andrew stuff? Uh, <laughs> the, the skeletons <laughs> of little boys. Oh, my God. Uh, 
No, uh, I didn't pay too much attention to that because I don't know much. Dude, that. they had like King James, King James version of the Bible. Oh yeah, like one of the original King James versions of the Bible in the. And I was like, what the, the Christian f- going on? Yeah, it's a it's a really it's uh, so random. It's a magical place. So uh, if I want to go back with an event or character in mind, do you want to go back with any, go. anyone in mind? Uh, <laughs> uh, will, will, will you come with me next time? Uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I'm free, we'll see. Who are you gonna give? I'm not bitter. Uh, what? What? What event are you gonna give, dude? I, Pearl immediately, Harbor? I was like Alexandria, <laughs> not Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, you, you're something that's connected to Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I'm like, how you know? <laughs> Why would you say that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, wait. So next time you go back, what are you going to go with? Uh, my initial thought is King Kamehameha. Whoa. So something Hawaiian. It's a little obscure It's like no actual history. history. That made up history, yeah. dog. <laughs> that, you know, did something in the world, had an influence. I actually wouldn't be surprised if he had like the Bohemian Grove books about the rewritten history. Do you know? Remember, it might I be told in the warehouse, that? dog. I, I bet. I, I mean, if anyone would have it, it's that dude. Oh, for sure. That would be really interesting. I wanna. Uh, I'm excited for that. There was something that there was an object that we got to hold in our hands that blew my mind. But it's only applicable to Mormons. That's fine. Because the person if you're not Mormon, freaking press fast forward twice. <laughs> um, and have fun in hell. <laughs> <laughs> But basically, uh, the woman who's there, super sweet, she's been working with Mr. Moon for for years and years. She grew up in Nauvoo and uh, very uh, knowledgeable about Mormon church history. And she started talking to us about uh, someone in our group said, can you show us something from church history? She's like, of course. Let me grab something that's personal to me. She grabs she comes Nauvoo back. break. She comes back with a, with a little book. <laughs> Um, it's one of those that looks like a book. When you open it, it's a compartment. Oh, those are dope. Yeah. 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 So she's holding that and she's telling the story. And I'm wondering, is this like a book that, you know, Emma Brigham Smith. Young yeah. owned or yeah. something like that? She's telling the story. She's talking about Willard Richards. Oh, frick, dude. Willard. <laughs> oh, dude. Did yeah, you get dude. the same thing? <laughs> Willard Richards uh, was like the personal secretary to Joseph Smith. So. Willard Richards says, has, has, has told Joseph that he would give his life for Joseph Smith. When Joseph uh, is shot in Carthage jail, he falls out the window. John Taylor is hiding under the bed. And Willard Richards ha- has to make a choice to either save the prophet or John Taylor. They're both mortally wounded. Uh, he chooses to uh, save John Taylor. Whoa. The angry mob is downstairs. If he went down to save Joseph, they might have killed him too. Yeah. So he chose to save John Taylor, who he knew was right there and could immediately help instead of chance it with Joseph Smith. Because who would want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. John Taylor lives. Joseph Smith dies. Joseph Smith's mother, Lucy Mack, was uh, so uh, just grateful for Willard Richards and his service to her son that she wanted to give him a gift from the Smith family. This gift stayed within the Richards family for generations until Mr. Moon acquired it. So he's the third owner. Obviously the first was the Smiths, then Willard Richards and his family. 
the third one, Mr. Moon. She says, I grew up visiting Willard Richards' home. And uh, when we acquired this, this meant a lot to me because his character was a big part of uh, like our family history. Sorry, I know who I'm going to ask about. Continue. (laughs) She opens it up. She said, these are Joseph Smith's baby booties. What the like socks? His socks and his shoes as like as a baby. And she took them out and she gave it to us and we got to hold it. What? It was crazy. <laughs> That's odd. Yeah. Bro, I thought you were gonna say like the pocket watch that one of them got shot with. Did and you it, get like, deflected? That's bullet. what I thought too. Yeah. But did you see that or I didn't see that, no, okay. dude. So yeah. but I thought I thought I knew where you were, where you were going with that. But doesn't matter what your stance is on Joseph Smith. Like a piece of history is a piece of history. Like even if it was a piece of like Nazi paraphernalia. It's still it's crazy, still crazy yeah. to hold in your hand like an original piece of history. So their store is just filled with that. <sighs> Good experience. That's crazy. Can we I'm go hot. a little bit further yeah. down that subject? Sure. Did you guys ever hear? <laughs> I don't know if we're going to keep this. Did you guys ever hear like stories about when Joseph Smith was killed? Just like weird things that happened? Sure. All misinformation. I have no idea what the hell. But, like, what did you hear? Like, when he was killed? I heard stuff like he's hit by bullets, mm-hmm. and he, like, slumps, and then he, like, sits up and is, like, staring at them. I've heard that they tried to cut his head off, and they were, like, hit by lightning. Stuff like that. I have Joseph Smith that. told Willard Richards, and I think it's recorded, too, uh, in a written document somewhere, but he told Willard Richards that there will be a time where bullets will be flying all around oh, you. Oh, I do remember and uh disarming or hurting the people around you but you will not be hurt and he was the only one that wasn't Hmm. shot or hurt when the mob attacked the jail that joe smith and all of his friends were in so that's part of the quote-unquote prophecy uh that plays into the story so all right moving on yeah who are you gonna ask about though i'm gonna ask about john d Oh, mm. frick, bro, you would. Oh, he has a Houdini's uh, handcuffs Ooh. that Houdini used uh, to like escape from in his acts. That's crazy. So that just nuts. anything in, in history yeah. he's, he he's has supposed to have. He boasts something. that he has. Real um, quick, I have a little bit of background, more background on John D that I learned. I haven't fact-checked this, so who knows it's real. John D is a, not a magician, but... I mean, he is a the magician. magician. He worked for a queen of England, like Queen Elizabeth, the whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was used as like a magician, black magic, and a spy. His spy name was 007, and he created, I think, Nokian magic and the Nokian al- alphabet. So if you look into the occult at all, you're gonna call, you're gonna read John D stuff. Like he he's like Godfather. It goes like John D, and then. Um, uh, I just went blank. My mind. Who's that dude who <laughs> pegged his assistant out in the desert? Whoa, dude! Uh, Scandalous, bro. Not Anton Lavey. What's his name? He's like this. <laughs> Hugh Jackman. No. In the Prestige. <laughs> Basically. David Boyle. Christian Bale. No, we got to figure this. Chris Angel. <laughs> David Copperfield. Yeah, it's David Copperfield. No, come isn't on. It? Uh, who's the big dude and the quiet dude? Like the Godfather, Penn and, and Teller, the Godfather of Penn Black Magic. Damn, I got knowledge about magicians. <laughs> you nerd, bro! Keep pulling these out of his hat, dude. None. 
Help me out. It's the I Godfather of Black Magic. I don't know. John D. Uh, Dude. Uh, for a Scary Stories podcast, no, we no, really no. should know it's this. It's like super odd. I can't remember this because I've been but studying. But once you hear it, you're going to be like, that's what it what's was. What's the important thing about him? <laughs> or you just need the name. Is that the, the end? That is the end. Well, we got to. I'm just going to. We'll cut the dead <laughs> space. Black Magic person. Person? You could say like starter, the founder of Black Magic. Okay, if I don't see it in like ten seconds, I'll move on. Bro, but when I hear but it, it's, it's annoying gonna be like... as hell that I can't remember this. <laughs> okay, whatever. I'm gonna scream it at the top of my lungs when I remember in the middle of one of your stories. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so and so John D had this artifact that has been discovered. It's an obsidian mirror. Oh. It's a circle of obsidian and it's polished so you can look into it and it, it's reflective. Bro. And it was said that he could look in there and like divine things about what was going to happen, things from the past and what's going on right now. Tight. And it was an ancient artifact when John D got it. And apparently it's an ancient like Aztec artifact that somehow John D got a hold of. So it like goes really far back. Mm. And if you know anything about Mormon stuff... There's weird thing about stones and then revealing <laughs> things. There's even stories of someone like around Joseph Smith time found a perfectly smooth black stone. Oh, yeah. And it started right. having messages on it and he would record the messages. And he was stoked because he was like, oh, I must be a prophet too. Went to Joseph Smith and was like, bro, look at this stone. Look at all these <laughs> messages I'm getting. And immediately he was like, get rid of that shit. Destroy it. Yeah. That's not of God. And then he stabbed it with a basilisk fang. <laughs> I am Lord Voldemort. And then Ron and Hermione kiss. <laughs> but anyway, I would ask about John D. Okay. And that artifact is crazy. That's like a good the one. obsidian mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild. Dude, what if the story he told me of the book that he couldn't tell us the name of has to do with John D? It probably does. Well, he uh, so recently I we follow Reed Moon on Instagram, and recently he procured another, what does he call him? Oh, it was a freaking, freaking. <laughs> anyway, it's a book of black magic and spells. He like recently grimoire. Just, grimoire. Grimoire. Yeah. yeah. He just uh, requ- acquired a new one. Not but a new grimoire, dude. You know how we've talked about, do we believe objects hold power and or like residual, you know what I'm saying? Like, are they magic? Are they cursed? Right. His spot is probably like the best place to like study that. It could be. And ask about. I'm trying to bring him on. I was going to say, I is there the podcast any when I was chance he would give us an interview? Uh, they From the vibes you get. I think so. I don't know if the woman I was talking to about, because I plugged 3AM, uh, just saying, is uh, he, anyway, is Mr. L- is, listen. I was like, is Mr. Moon <laughs> interested in doing interviews or podcasts? And she said, in recent years, yes. Whoa. I think for a long time, he he wasn't. I think he just didn't have much time. He still doesn't. But you have to have over 100,000 listeners. They're, yeah. Guys, they're just, we they're, need you to spread the podcast. So that we can get this guy on here. We're they're, at 50K downloads a month. We just need to double that. <laughs> they're very passionate about uh, just the story of these uh, items. Mm. And they want to share this. They want people to come. Bro. So they're like. We need to open up uh, different ways and how we do that. So, oh, uh, interviews sure, yeah. and podcasts are a way that we've been looking into it. So, one of you, please try. Yeah, do but you I say we like try way better chance. People I say we like try in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> don't come to me. 
Sean, he's like, no, no. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 no. You're going to steal something or yeah. some shit. I don't know. Yeah, dude. Uh, magic artifacts. I'm trying to get more into it. There's a huge, there was a huge fascination with it. How do you just worldwide. Get, casually get in? You mean <laughs> like studying it or collecting them yourself? No, no. Just like uh, studying them for the podcast to share about them. I just heard get more into it. And I was like, bro, you got like a, <laughs> you got like a feed on some magic artifacts or what, dude? Um, there was just a huge fascination with it. Uh, like in the middle of the 1900s. Uh-huh. It started oh, yeah. with the Nazis. It inspired Indiana Jones, uh, treasure hunting, and then uh, kind of died off for whatever reason. It's because the government doesn't want you to know about it. <laughs> mm. And so Sean, Sean's recently back on TikTok. So me and him are like constantly trading conspiracy just theories now. So deep in conspiracy theories, dude. Speaking of which, can I go down a little rabbit hole? <laughs> sure. Okay. Do you guys know what remote viewing is? Yes. Agent Mulder did that in season six of the X-Files. Hell yeah, brother. Do you? Educate me. Remote viewing is when it's kind of like astral projection where like you are in a room. You're supposed to close your eyes. I don't know the exact mechanics of it, but you're like given a target and you just describe what you hear. And there's like a moderator writing down everything you see, smell, hear, right? Yeah. This was a program that was actually done by the CIA. They had a group of remote viewers and they... The story is they like tried to utilize them. It wasn't really effective. So they discontinued that program. The theory is it actually worked and it worked really well. And there's like declassified uh, CIA documents on like exactly how to do it and all this stuff. This one group, they would remote view and to fund their remote viewing and their lifestyle so that they could keep doing that in their off time when they weren't hired their main source of income was being hired by corporations mm. to do corporate espionage. So if you want to know about Apple, you like want to know all Inception. their things, it's like go sit in Steve Jobs' like, office and see everything that's going on. Anyway, so that's what they would get hired for. But in between that, to fund everything else, they would treasure hunt. So they would focus on lost artifacts, and they found some. They would like look for Spanish gold down, you know what I mean? And they, they'd find it mentally, spiritually, and then they'd go there in real life and get them. We need to get more into that. That's what I'm saying. So if you want to get more, when you were saying, I want to get more into treasure, it's like. Well, it's going to have to be one of you two, though, because I'm so skeptical that nothing works yeah, for me anymore. Works. I'm not doing it because there's a lot of horror stories about things that can happen when you project and you start going out there. Uh, I yeah. recently started thinking about how I want to try to lucid dream. Oh. I think in once, like at least once in my lifetime, I want to have that Do experience. So, have you never had a lucid dream? I don't think so, but apparently, uh, you have to get past the barrier of sleep paralysis. Hmm. Oh, interesting. I'm wondering. I I don't know where. I can't remember where I'm getting that from. But, uh, like I've mentioned many times before in the podcast, I know when I'm getting sleep paralysis. I've had it so many times that I know exactly what's happening and I know how to turn it off. Oh. But I think I want to start just letting things happen. <laughs> so that you can get into that lucid dream state. I just don't know what the positive possibilities Dude, there's, are. There's books on how to lucid dream. You should yeah, look at it. I know. There's some good ones. So uh, a quick way, it's kind of like a hack to lucid dream is like, if you wake up every morning at, let's say, 8 o'clock, set your alarm for 7. Wake up 15, 20 minutes, go back to sleep. Because 
Oh, I have you will heard like that go stri- Like you'll mm-hmm. start dreaming, but you'll be like aware. Yeah. Second sleep is always better. Dude, second sleep hits, bro. Yeah, it do. <laughs> it real do. Bro, speaking of dreams, though, I had a super vivid dream like two or three days ago. Big wet. And like, <laughs> I wish I was having a good dream. but <laughs> Big dry. Big dry, actually. But still big wet, dude. What? So I'm on an airplane. It's nighttime. And all of a sudden, the plane is going down. And this is super vivid. So, like, I see, like, the people sitting next to me. Like, I still have this image in my mind of, like, everything that's going on. Everyone's freaking out. The plane goes down. The pilot, for some reason, decides to flip the plane upside down to land in the ocean. Because we were (laughs) over the ocean. We were over the ocean at the time. And all of a sudden, it starts... It starts sinking, and typically I sit next to exit aisles because I'd be like that. And so I, like, get to the exit door and open it, and me and five people escape from the plane. Everyone else goes down with the plane. What does that mean? I don't, dude. If there's any, like, you know, dream doctors out there, tell me what this means because I don't know. (laughs) We get to to the surface. And realized that it was dark, so we couldn't see anything. But we're probably 20 miles off from an island. And so we have to start swimming to the island. Mm-hmm. And eventually we do. We, we make it to the island. But then we're arrested when we get there. What? Bro, it's like it's like out of the fire into the frying pan. I'd rather be arrested than die. <laughs> but still, like, I don't know. I don't know. It was super, super vivid. Huh. I like woke up and started writing everything down. I was like, okay. It's, it's been the first time I've actually written everything down from a dream too in a while. That's I had a dope. really clear dream the other night about the three of us. We lived off the grid in Hawaii. You ass. This is what I'm trying to bring this into fruition for, the for island like a was week. Oahu. And, oh, for uh, a week? I'm trying to do like a year or two. Off the grid for a week. And then we came back into like Oahu. Where we could, I don't know, go on our phones. Yeah. Uh, but Brandon Young was there and he was documenting everything. Whoa. And dude. we were uh, trying to up our game for the podcast. That would be kind of interesting to do, though. Go off the grid for a week. Big ass nerds dreaming about the 3 a.m. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we need 50 listeners. How can we get more patrons? Yeah. <laughs> Which we do need to talk about this as well. Oh, dude, Everybody let's address the controversy. That listened to the last episode owes us. Two dollars for listening to the Patreon episode. Yeah, that was a test, and a lot of you failed, and you're thieves. No, I don't know how that happened. I uploaded super late at night, and I I usually label them. One says with bonus story, and the other one says no bonus story. You only see with bonus if you're a patron. Yeah. So I uploaded them, and I was like, oh, surely everything's good. good. (laughs) Published. And then people start hitting us up, and like, hey, we owe you two dollars. So you guys actually did pass the test. Yeah. But you know that one's gonna be on us. Yeah, that one's on us because so it was welcome. the best story last week, anyway. So, <laughs> dude, hilarious. Uh, anything else? That's sick. I'm glad you got to go to the store. I really want to go. I think we should go, and it should be like our number one goal to get him on pod. That would be sick. Yeah, that'd be really fun. Uh, right before we started recording, DJ showed us something. Ooh, new merch is coming on the way, <laughs> boys and pew, girls. Pew, pew, pew. Designs so. are 99. percent finished they're dope i'm stoked it's shit we would actually wear yeah uh, i'm proud of it i think uh people like it but spring summer collection hey yo 
It's coming soon. Let's go. And we'll update you more on that when updates come. Yeah. Uh, you guys said you were on TikTok. Yes. Yeah. And you have, uh, you're on Conspiracy Talk. That's what your algorithm is. Uh, I have a uh, little bit of everything. Like World Star Hip Hop and Conspiracy Talk is mine. I got some workout vids. I got some conspiracy videos. There might be some... Some ass shaking Some ass shaking <laughs> I know you. Mine's I know like, you too well. Top nine times the Queen of England revealed she's a reptile. <laughs> Every single, and I'm sitting there eating it up. I'm just like, yeah, dude. You, she's definitely you married, married she's man. Definitely, dude. <laughs> I'm so deep. And I could like, I feel my mental degrading, bro. Like every, every new bit of information I learn, I'm just like, that's probably not what's going on. <laughs> Three knuckles deep in the lizard people. It's a oh, good place 100%. to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Three uh, scales wh- deep. Yeah. Uh-huh. What other uh, conspiracies have been popping up? Bro. Top five that have blown your mind. Actually, okay. I'm going to start doing this. Conspiracy corner. Conspiracy, Conspiracy corner. Segment. We we will leave the land of truth and enter the sea of conspiracy. <laughs> this is my favorite one. The lottery was created to catch time travelers. That is so smart. <laughs> it's so smart. That's next. Corporations level would fund billions of dollars if they could figure out how. To time travel, our world would change. Well, here's the thing. So we have to catch them. Let's. Oh, we got to start at the beginning. Oh, first of all, shout out. I'm. I, I'm going to be sharing a lot more conspiracy stuff, and a lot of it I get from the Wendigoon, which is a YouTuber on YouTube. He covered the conspiracy theory TikTok or the conspiracy theory iceberg, iceberg yeah. and he covered it in this huge multi-hour long series. So if you're interested, he does way better research. He's way better than me and I'll ever be. So go hit up the Wendigoon. Follow him on YouTube. Anyway, this is where I got this one from. If at some point, if we keep going on, and if if it's possible, time travel, Mm -hmm. then it already exists. Yes. Because at some point it will become a reality, which means now they can travel back in time. Which means they could come now. So if it's possible, it already exists. Yes. They would want to restrict it because you would just F up the timelines. There's, there would have to be some There's sort of rules. police force, so probably like the one. It's probably heavily monitored, police forced, whatever. Yeah. And there would maybe be some renegades or rogues that would like want to travel to restrict the times and stuff like that. I would do that. So, yeah. The allure of quick cash would be so high that the probability that they would like do the lottery mm-hmm. to win is very high. So the that's idea number one is, on everyone's list. What exactly. would you do if you time traveled? That's how I, I wanted would to bet introduce on this, this game. I would. Well, yeah, if you're doing the lottery though, then that's the easy way to get caught. Cause that's designed to catch time travelers. Yes. So the idea is everyone who wins the lottery has a quick background check done on them. Uh-huh. If that background check doesn't yield anything, or if it like looks suspicious quickly and quietly, you are taken away. And that's why you never hear about these people afterwards. Do you ever really? You don't. It's always like, oh, they go back to poverty. I mean, the lottery winner. They're all trailer trash. Oh. Whoa, dude. Bro. You can't just just lump everybody. (laughs) Wow, dude. Yeah, why the F is that? (laughs) How come I'm not winning freaking lottery, dude? You gotta move to a trailer trash. Dude, I've been in a trailer. I've lived in a trailer before. I still ain't winning. Why are you winning the damn lottery? (laughs) I have never played. There's there's a wild uh thread on reddit that somebody wrote about how when you win the lottery your chances for getting murdered 
Mm, and yeah. for all of your close ones to get getting murdered or kidnapped, uh, trying to swindle you some way, somehow, yep. goes up exponentially. It's a fascinating read. Oh, I'd like to share it one time. I would like that. to remain anonymous if I ever did. Okay, wait, let's lottery. talk about that. I, that's how I was going to preface this was if you guys won the lottery, what would you do? <sighs> and if you're curious, the largest ever lotto winner. 265 million. Okay, that's your guess. Billions. It's in the billions. One. How do I read this? 1.586 billion. Where are you seeing that? Billion, right here. Oh, I see, I see. Largest oh, lotto damn. winner ever. What number one, is this? 1.6 1. 1. billion. Yeah, just do 1.6 billion. 1.6 billion Powerball, January 13, 2016. That's nuts, bro. Wait, that's three tickets, though, so they split it three ways. But I think it was broken down to consider that. Oh, frick. Yeah. But anyway, <sighs> let's say you guys win a billion dollars. A bill. What are you doing? A billion McDoubles. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, I think you were right with the idea of remaining anonymous. Yeah, I don't want people to know I have money. Dude. You cannot. Con you can't trust people you know. Yeah, and you hear those stories. I can't remember, but there's this one kid who won like multi, multi million dollars. I think over in the UK or something, and within several years, he was back to a minimum wage job because he blew it all on hookers, coke, and like stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> and like I jewelry. Mean, I would 100 percent rather be rich than famous. So I don't want anyone to know. Shout out Migos. And then my close knit group, they've made it for life. Yeah, but. They all sign in an NDA where they don't say where they got the money. That's either. a good. That's a good caveat. I've always thought if I made millions, and millions, billions, whatever, I would approach like everyone I loved or knew, and I'd say, "Give me a plan of like what you're passionate about and what you need to achieve that, and let's make it happen." See, my plan and is I'm going to go to you and be like, "Bro, I need a million dollars, and if you don't give me a million dollars, and I'm not going to give you a million. <laughs> I found it. What? It's extensive, but I think it's well worth the read. Okay, do you want to do it? Like, okay, do you want to do it now? Do you think it fits now? I, it's, there's no other better time. Let Go me fit it. one last thing in. Go. Did you guys hear about when Ghostface won the, the lotto? Ghostface won the lotto? <laughs> oh, yeah, he wore it to the <laughs> signing, right? New York Post, oh, my, my favorite credible source, says lottery winner wears scream mask to hide identity. Yeah. Smart, dude. So this dude was like, I don't even want my family to know it's me. So he wore a scream mask to accept the lottery. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, Sean, you're exactly right. Yeah, I don't want anyone knowing that shit. All right, DJ, hit us. Congratulations, you just won millions of dollars in the lottery. That's great. Now you're f No, really, you are f if you just want to skip the biographical tales of woe of some of the math ta math tax protagonists, skip on down to the next comment to see what uh, to do in, in the event you win the lottery. The stories behind this uh, are real stories that he pulls. He sources the articles uh, and everything to go along with it. So we'll have a link somewhere. You see, it's something of an open secret that winners of obnoxiously large jackpots tend to end up badly with alarming regularity. Not the $1 million winners, but anyone in the nine-figure range is at high risk. Eight figures, pretty likely to be screwed. Seven figures, yep, painful. Perhaps this is, this is a consequence of the sample. The demographics of lottery players might be exactly the wrong people to win large sums of money. Or perhaps money is the root of all evil. Either way, 
you are going to have to be careful. Don't believe me? Consider this. Large jackpot winners face double-digit multiples of probability versus the general populace to be the victim of, one, homicide, something like 20 times more likely. Holy hell. Two, drug overdose. Three, bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Four, kidnapping. And triple-digit multiples of probability versus the general population rate to be, one, convicted of drunk driving. Two, the victim of homicide. At the hands of a family member, 120 times more likely in this case. Three, a defendant in civil lawsuit for a defendant in felony Of course, yeah. Everyone's going to come back and come at you for money, dude. Makes sense. Believe it or not, your biggest enemy, if you suddenly become possessed of large sums of money, is you. At least you will have the consolation of meeting your fate by your own hand. But if you can't manage it on your own, don't worry. There are any number of willing participants ready to help you start your vicious downward spiral for you. Mind you, many of these will be quote-unquote friends, friendly neighbors, or family. Often, they won't even have evil intentions. But as I'm sure you know, that makes a little difference in the end. Most aren't evil. Most aren't malicious. Some are, but none of, none are good for you. Hmm. Jack Whitaker, a Johnny Cash-attired West Virginia native, is the poster boy for the dangers of a lump sum award. In 2002, Ooh. Mr. Whitaker, 50... 55 years old at the time, won what was also at the time the largest single award jackpot in U.S. history, $350 million. Damn. At the time, he planned to live as if nothing had changed, or so he said. He was remarkably modest and decent before the jackpot, and his ship sure came in, right? Wrong. Mr. Whitaker became the subject of a number of personal challenges, escalating into personal tragedies, complicated by a number of legal troubles. Whitaker wasn't a lottery winner either. His net worth at the time of his winnings was in excess of $15 million, owing his ownership to, of a successful contracting firm in West Virginia. His claim to want to live as if nothing had changed actually, actually seemed plausible. He should have been well-equipped for wealth. He was already quite wealthy, after all. By all accounts, he was somewhat modest, low-profile, generous, and good-natured. He should have coasted off into the sunset, but not exactly. Whitaker took all took the all cash option, 170 million instead of the annuity option, and took possession of 114 million in cash, after 56 million in taxes. Oh, wow. After that, things went south. Whitaker Whitaker quickly became the subject of a number of financial stalkers who would lurk his regular breakfast hideout, and accost him with suggestions for how to spend his money. Ugh. They were unemployed. No, an interview. Tomorrow morning wasn't good enough. They needed cash now. Perhaps they had a surefire business plan. Their daughter had cancer. A niece needed dialysis. Needless to say, Whitaker stopped going to his breakfast haunt. Eventually, they began ringing his doorbell, sometimes in the early morning. Before long, he was paying off-duty deputies to protect his family. He was accused of being heartless, cold, stingy. Letters poured in. Children with cancer, diabetes, MS, you name it. He hired three people to sort the mail, a detective to filter out false claims, and the con men and women was retained. Brenda, the clerk who sold Whitaker the ticket, was a victim of collateral damage. Whitaker had written her a check for 44000 and bought her house, but she was by no means a millionaire. Rumors that the state routinely paid the clerk who had sold the ticket, 10% of the jackpot winnings hounded her. She was followed home from work, threatened, assaulted. Whitaker's car was twice broken into by trusted acquaintances who watched him leave large amounts of cash in it. 
500K and 200K were stolen in two separate oh, instances. Holy hell. Thieves spiked Whitaker's drink with prescription drugs in the first instance. The second incident, the second incident was the handiwork of his granddaughter's friends who had been probing the girl for details on Whitaker's cash for weeks. Even Whitaker's good faith generosity was questioned. When he offered $10,000 to improve the city's water park so that it was more handicap accessible, locals complained that he spent more money at the strip club. Amusingly, this was true. Whitaker, <laughs> Wait, did you say it was true? Yeah. <laughs> Whitaker invested quite a bit in his own business, tripled the number of people his business employed, making him one of the larger employers in the area, and eventually had given away $14 million to charity through a foundation he set up for the purpose. This is, of course, what you're supposed to do. Set up, set up a foundation. Be careful about your charity giving. It made no difference in the end. Yeah. To top it all off, Whitaker had been accused of ruining a number of marriages. His money made other men look inferior, they said. <laughs> Wherever he went in the small West Virginia town, he called home. Resentment grew quickly and festered. Whitaker paid four settlements related to this sort of claim. His family and their immediate circle were quickly the victims of odds-defying numbers of overdoses, emergency room visits, and even fatalities. His granddaughter, the 18-year-old Brandy, who Whitaker had been giving a $2,100 per week allowance, Ooh, damn. was found dead after having been missing for several weeks. Her death was, apparently, from a drug overdose. But Whitaker suspected foul play. Her body had been wrapped in a tarp and hidden behind a rusted-out van. Her 17-year-old boyfriend... <laughs> what kind it of might be foul play, dude. Her 17-year-old boyfriend had expired three months earlier in Whitaker's vacation house. Also from an overdose. That's a weird way. Expired. <laughs> Some of his friends had robbed the house after his overdose, stepping over his body to make their escape, and then returning for more before stepping over his body again to leave. Oh. His parents sued for wrongful death, claiming that Whitaker's loose purse strings contributed to their son's death. Amazingly, juries are prone to award damages in cases such as these. Whitaker settled again. Even before the death... Because the they're like, oh, he can afford it. So Exactly. Yeah. Even before the deaths, the local and state police had taken a special interest in Whitaker after his newfound fame. He was arrested for minor and less minor offenses many times after his winnings, despite having had a nearly spotless record before the award. Whitaker's high profile couldn't help him, couldn't have helped him much in this regard. In 18 months, Whitaker had been cited for over 250 violations, oh, ranging from hell. broken taillights on every one of his five new cars to improper display of renewal stickers. A lawsuit cha charging various police organizations with harassment went nowhere, and Whitaker was hit with court costs instead. Whitaker's wife filed for divorce, and in the process froze a number of his assets and the accounts of his operating companies. Caesars, Caesars in Atlantic City sued him for $1.5 to cover bounce checks caused by the asset freeze. Today, Whitaker is badly in debt, and bankruptcy looms large in his future. But that's just ex one example, right? Wrong. Nearly one-third of multi-million dollar jackpot winners eventually declare bankruptcy. Some end up worse. To give you just a taste of the possibilities, consider the fates of Billy Bob Harrell, Jr. 31 million, Texas, 1997. As of 99, committed suicide in the wake of incessant requests for money from friends and family. Winning the lottery is the worst thing that ever happened to me, he was quoted. <laughs> William Post, 16.2 million, Pennsylvania, 1988. 
In 89, Brother hires a contract murderer to kill him and his sixth wife. Landlady sixth. Landlady sued for, <laughs> get one, dog? for a portion of the jackpot, convicted of assault for firing a gun at a debt collector, declared bankruptcy, dead in 06. Uh, that list goes on and on and uh, listing different examples. At the end, he says, so what the hell do you do if you're unlucky enough to win the lottery? I'll take Rip all, the of, ticket off. all of this. This is, this is absolutely the most important thing you can do right away. Nothing. Drugs. Oh. Nothing. Yes. Uh, that's a good idea. Nothing. You just don't do anything with it right off the bat. Do not declare yourself the winner yet. Do not tell anyone. The urge is going to be nearly irresistible. <laughs> no, Resist dude. it. Trust me. One, immediately retain an attorney. Smart. smart. Get a partner from a larger national firm. Don't let them pawn off uh, junior partners or associates on you. Um, do dude, not... this is like legitimate advice. Yeah. This yeah. is dope. Okay, so one... Don't do anything. Two, don't tell anyone. Get an attorney. Don't get a junior. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do not use your local attorney. Oh, uh, yes, no. I mean your long-standing family attorney who did your mother's will. Yeah, no. ass, no. bro. Do not use the guy who fought your dry cleaner bill. Nope. Do not no. use the uh, guy you have trusted your entire life because of his long and faithful service to your family. Nope. Hell no. In fact, do not use any firm that has any connection to your family or friends or community. Trust me. You want somebody who has never heard of you, any of your friends or any of your family, go to the closest Smart. big city, walk into one of the national firms asking for one of the trust and estates partners you have previously looked up on martindale.com from one of the largest 50 firms of the United States, which has an office near you. You can look up attorneys by practice area and firm on Martindale. Smart. Smart. <clears throat> Two, decide to take the lump sum. Most lotteries pay a really pathetic rate for the annuity. It usually hovers around 4.5% annual return. It's lump sum when they just give you a piece of it every so lump often. Lump sum is when they give you the whole All thing. All of it. But it's oh, only a percentage a of it. discounted rate. Yeah. So he's saying take the lump sum? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? That seems an antithetical. That seems like not what I would want to do. Uh, most lotteries, let me start that. So uh, most lotteries pay a really pathetic rate for the annuity. It usually hovers around 4.5% annual return or less, depending doesn't take much to do better than this. And if you have the money already in cash, rather than leaving it... You can do better on your own. Oh, okay. If you take the annuity, you won't have access to that cash. That could be good. It could be bad. It's probably bad unless you have a very addictive personality. I think I'd be good. If you need an allowance managed by the state, it is because you didn't listen to point number one above. Why not let the state handle it for you and give you your allowance? No. Damn government sorry i want to stay on the podcast hey tiktok <laughs> there's a few more comments on that number three decide right now how much you plan to give to family and friends so this is one that everyone talks about how yeah. they're going to help their their close circle yeah. yeah yeah um and we see how close the circle actually is when things like this happen but he said this really shouldn't be more than 20 percent Figure it out right now. Pick oh, your number. 20 total percent. Mm -hmm. And then you split it amongst your entire circle. Pick your number. Bro, you guys are going to get a lot more because my circle is real small, bro. <laughs> <laughs> tell your lawyer. Tight. <laughs> pick your number. Tell your lawyer. That's it. Don't change it. 20% of $114 million is $22.8 That leaves you with $91.2 Do not consult with family when deciding how much to give to them. No. You're going to get advice that is badly tainted by conflict of interest. And if other family members find out that Aunt Flo was consulted, 
and they weren't, you will never hear the end of it. Mm. Neither will Aunt Flo. This will this might later form the basis for an allegation that Aunt Flo unduly influenced you and a lawsuit might magically appear on the basis. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know of one circumstance where the plaintiffs won this case. Holy hell. Do not give anyone cash ever, period. Just don't. Do not buy them houses. Do not buy them cars. Tell your attorney that you want to provide for your family. Put in a trust or something. And that you want to set up series of trusts for them that will total 20% of your after-tax winnings. Tell them that you want the trusts empowered to fund higher education. Some help, not a total uh, purchase for their first home. Some provision for weddings and the like, whatever. Do not put yourself in a position of handing out cash. Once you do, if you stop, you'll yeah. be accused of being a heartless bastard or bitch. See, I don't mind being called a heartless bastard, though, because I am. And I don't give a f But continue. <laughs> it will be easy to lose perspective. It is now the duty of your friends, family, relatives, hangers-on, and the inner circle to skew your perspective. And they take this job quite seriously. Uh, four, you'll be encouraged to hire an investment manager. Considerable pressure will be applied. Don't. Five, if you elect to be more global about your paranoia, use between 20% and 33% of what you have not de decided to commit a family fund immediately to purchase a combination of longer-term U.S. treasuries. Six, that leaves, say, 80% of the $90 million. Uh, personally, I think you should dump half of this into a boring S&P 500 index fund. Yeah, because so you're just taking the uh, interest every year. Mm -hmm. And lastly, so uh, you have a put a safety net in place. You provide it for your family, beyond your wildest dreams. You still have $36 million in cash. You know you'll be getting uh, $700,000 per year unless the capital building is burning. Uh, what now? Whatever you want. Go ahead and burn through the $36 million in hookers and blow. Uh, you've got more. So you've got more security <laughs> than ninety percent of the country. A lot of it is in trust. So even if you are sued, your family will live well and progress across uh, progress across generations. Yeah. If your lawyer is worth his salt, then you will be insulated from most lawsuits anyhow. <clears throat> Buy a nice house or two. Make sure they aren't stupid investments. Go ahead and be an angel investor and fund some startups. Yeah. But refuse to do it for anyone you know. Smart. Play. Have fun. You earned it by putting together the shoe sizes of your whole family on one ticket and the winning jackpot. That was a condensed version of the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. But the Mad insightful. Super, super oh, for insightful. Sure. For the next time I win that lottery. Yeah. <laughs> I'll link that. It was If you continue on that list of people who won the lottery and all the misfortunes that befell That's them. That's so nuts. It's wild to see how uh, their closest people turned on them. It is terrifying to see the depths people will go when money gets involved. That's true. And you like to think you're above it and your loved ones are above it. But time and time again, no, we dude, I ain't trust nobody. I don't trust none of you guys. Did you hear that like Dane Cook had to put his brother in jail? Oh, mm -hmm. frick, dude. He made his brother, his like blood brother. We grew up. We're homies. Put him in charge of like a lot of his finances oh, and found out he had so stolen like dumb. over $4 million at one point. I actually changed what I'm going to do if I win the lottery. I'm going to spend it all on gold and bury it somewhere and oh. leave clues. Are you Ron Swanson? <laughs> Dude, I love that. Real quick, I heard this somewhere, some imager or Reddit thing, but it was like, if you ever come into a ton of money, don't tell anyone. Text all your closest friends and say, bro, I need, I need to borrow $1,000. You can't ask why. I just need help. 
And for everyone who says, yeah, I'm down, I got you, then those are the ones you know are like your real ones. I know George Clooney had a dinner with 10 of the people who helped him most get to the spot he is in today. And at the dinner, um, like sent them a formal invite. They all showed up. And at the end of the dinner, he gave each of them a case. And each case had like 10 mil in it. In Damn. Cash. I think it's one. Maybe one. One <laughs> to ten. Even, even a million for the layman is pretty life-changing money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And one, one fell that's swoop. That's a lot of McDonald's. It could have been 10. Bro. I'm sorry. But no, no, that's okay. I would love to be able to do that for sure. the homies. Give me give me $100. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I'd take 100 bucks <laughs> Or $2 a month. Yeah. <laughs> that's shout out, passive shout out income, our patrons, bro. <laughs> we, guys, we've won the lottery in a lot of ways. Our friendship and patrons. Yeah. Shout out. In the end, the, lot, the real lottery uh, is the, the friends we made wow. I, along the I, way. I got friends. I got family. Wow. wow. Uh, dude, George Clooney sounds cool. <laughs> I've heard that one time he staged, like he had his, he has like clo- close group of friends and they do stuff together. And I actually like studied this once to tell it on pod, but he did like a, I need to look it up. Never mind, I'll look it up. He did something with like ghost hunting and all his homies. And I think he staged like a kidnapping as a prank. That's kind of dope, actually. Where it was like an escape room, but like the world or something with the homies. I'll have to look it up. That's dope. The episode of Punked with Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, but just like IRL with all his friends. Scare tactics. Anyway, I've noticed over time my list of uh, celebrities that I am impressed by is getting smaller. And the list of celebrities that I'm very disappointed in is getting bigger. <laughs> and I think it's outside of personal bias. I'm talking about like on the levels of you're either racist or a child predator or... <laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. But really, though. So, speaking of... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Guys, we've been talking for an hour. Any other things we want to talk about in the beginning? Negative. Money or fame? Money. Be rich and famous. Yeah, who cares about fame, dog? I think I I, I entertain the thought of fame. To to quote Offseticus, uh, Quavo Rooney. <laughs> Offset Quavo was the last one. Take off. Take off. They said, I'd rather be rich than famous. Okay, so you'd rather be famous than rich? I didn't say that's my final decision. <laughs> I, oh, well, I'm Regis. But they Lock people quickly write that off. Uh, famous for what reason is the first question. Because you could be Jeffrey Epstein famous. <laughs> that's not a famous that I would like to be. Exactly. Get so, suicided. For what type of reason? I think there's a good reason. Let's just say everyone the, just knows you. For so what? here's the thing. No. They just know you. They know of you. Me as a person... No matter what kind of fame it is, I would rather take the money. Here's a th- I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with a list of pros for fame. Yeah, like argue for it. I think it's uh, if it's the right type of fame, then connections at network. It does depend on money. the person though, because like for me specifically. Yes. Yes. So like, I'm just talking about generally, generally the fame? pros of fame. Yeah, yeah. If it's a good type of fame, then it's the network that money can't, can't buy, buy, but. Uh, isn't substantive. Like any rich person with the right amount of money can have a a, a dinner date with that's Jeff true. Bezos or any supermodel, you know. But that's not going to go much further than that that dinner table. Okay. You know, if you have a good relationship with the right people, then you can make tons of money or go anywhere <laughs> you want to go, be anything you want to be. Okay, I recently I'm not going to say who or what, but I was I'm around I was around. Hmm. He was around. I mean, the famous we posted person. this yeah, on our. Posted, no, on we're, our we're not going to say anything about that. 
but I was around really wealthy people and really famous people. And this kind of conversation came up and there's a huge difference. There's a lot of people out there who have a, a ton of money, but the cachet of fame is almost, if not more valuable, valuable. in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they were talking about like the, that relationship and it was, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. And there are tons of people with money and, uh, don't do much with it. DJ and I have a theory. Hmm. Rich people style sucks asshole. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's big bad. I think the richer you get, the shittier your style gets. And it depends on how you got rich too. That's true. Our buddy Reed went uh Reed from Thailand went down to Texas for a work gig. I can't remember what it was for. No, he just went to the race. He went to the the horse horse races. No, Formula, Formula One. Formula One races. Yeah. Okay, down in Austin. They're on the same level. Yeah, but uh, he was sitting rich people shit. Yeah, exactly. He was sitting right behind some of the biggest people in entertainment and politics. Yeah, and uh, just literally got to be a fly on the wall, listening to the conversation, seeing how they act with each other, mm-hmm. and they had a silent auction during that event set up online. Uh, where you could bid for uh, go to space, have dinner with the Pope, all these different things like that. And there were a ton of people making bids. The people making bids for that are a bunch of middle-aged, menopause or uh, divorce, midlife crisis crisis, uh, men and women who worked so hard to get their money, but they weren't cool enough to get into the parties to have those connections already, so they have to buy it. You know like what I mean? Buy experiences. Buy experiences instead of... Uh, Reed kind of talked a lot about this on one of the episodes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But Sean? I'm still not trying to go to any of those parties. I'm chill. Just taking my money, building my, myself a cabin up in the middle of nowhere, and just saying... Everybody. I mean, you could do that right now. I could, dude, but it wouldn't be a nice cabin. It'd be a <laughs> shitty cabin, yeah. bro. Right. You'd be Unabomber status. <laughs> It'd be a freaking one of those ones you buy at Home Depot and place out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But you're right. You are right. It's that like with is the money. a valid argument. And we've talked about this before, but I think it's like when you don't have money, you have to work on curating. a. St- or This isn't important because there's a ton of poor people with terrible fashion. But for like DJ and stuff and I and other people, <laughs> I don't know, like... I don't know how to articulate this. Like we have good styles. So like, like you see, cribs, oh yeah, I got you good see style. M- you see MTV cribs, or you see like um, these house tours of like the insanely wealthy, mm-hmm. and it's just like it looks like the gaudiest, shittiest stuff in the world. And I think it's because at some point, it no longer matters the aesthetic; it matters the price tag. Yeah, so like whatever is the most expensive, that's what they want. Yeah, and it doesn't matter about the aesthetic. It's all about like how here's how what fa- I think: how much money. It's no matter is. how much money you have or what fame you have. Just be yourself. Like, just, you know. Okay, Disney Channel, PSA, <laughs> after school special ass. I'm saying, like, buy the stuff you actually like to design for. Like, who cares about the price tag? Here's the thing. Some people, like a lot of the people who made their wealth by, like, grit and hard work, didn't really spend time to explore creativity mm. and, uh, like, be in social circles that were cool, which is fine. Like, their benefit is they got all the money, hmm. you know? So now that they got the time and bandwidth and resources to put towards cool things, they're like starting from the bottom. And they're like, oh, 
this people don't unnecessary like uh like statue flash. yeah or like, like make... a red convertible yeah it's like yeah. okay oh yeah yeah, yeah. no it, it's 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 so true i'm uh i recently within the last year got a new job where i'm doing marketing for a company that has a lot of money and that company interacts with a lot of really wealthy people in utah i'm not one of those people i'm still very poor but i see them and i see where their like values are and i see all of them have hired people to try to make them look cool and there's just like the things they think are cool to me. Who the f- am I? I'm an asshole. Who knows? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I immediately am just like, that's gaudy. That's gross. That's not cool. That's actually a huge turnoff. Uh, there's like a term called new money. Mm-hmm. Like old money looks down on new money because new money, what they do, they get their money. They go, they go get a jet. They go get jewels. They, it's like all these like flashy things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And that it, that's like a real thing. You hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's odd to me. What's the point of all this? We don't have one. Get rich or die trying. <laughs> hey. Yeah. hey. And, the, and the wise words of uh, 50. Uh, 50. 50. Curtis Jackson, there 50 Cent. <laughs> if you're still with us, we also tell scary stories. Uh, we finna do that right let's now. Get let's get roll, it. bitch. Let's go. Yeah. Guys, before we roll, we also just want to give a special... special mm, a special shout out to our editor. We recently hired my older sister, Brittany, who in a lot of ways in my life has raised me and curated a lot of like the things I think are cool. And she was like, yeah, well, I'll help edit. Because at the time I was struggling with like balancing a job and editing because it was taking so much time. So she came in and has completely killed it. So shout out, Brittany. Thank you so much. We love you. We love Huge you. Huge thanks. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you're needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, Go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3AM. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Roll our 20-sided die. See who goes first. The numbers are. So it's me, Charles, then Sean with the crit fail on a one. Now, I've been rolling really low rolls recently. I think you've been r- rolling pretty average for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Dean. 
bros. I spent a lot of time on this, man. Look at this. Uh, look at my notes. Dude, there's arrows. There's annotations. There's circle, circled words. There's notes. There's dog. like a cipher in the corner. <laughs> um, it's like sometimes we try, guys. <laughs> I was inspired by my own story a few months ago <laughs> on the, on the, uh, the yurei and yokai, the Japanese uh, oh. um, monsters and spirits. And I, uh, I found that there is another like type on the opposite side of the planet. And I wanted to cover that. And I think this one goes more in depth. At least the resources that I hit was kind of a, a jackpot. Ooh. A lottery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it was a lottery. Uh, and it's, uh, it comes from the Middle East. And Northern Africa, and I'm going to be covering, doing, doing a pretty what I think is sorry uh, extensive <laughs> breakdown of gin, oh. dude. Sorry, what? I'm stoked you're saying this. <laughs> Why? Recently, I've had so many synchronicities; it's starting to trip me out. Yeah, and he as watched I was pulling up, Brittany was day? like, "You guys really should dive deep into gin." Oh, frick! Like as I was pulling up today, wild. Yeah. Well, this is it. There it is. This is it. The so, gin's playing around right now with us. There's a, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of names I'm finna butcher. Um, <laughs> and a lot of what I gathered comes from a few resources, and I'm just going to shout them out right now. First comes from the Pew Research Center, which is a research group based in Washington, D.C. Uh, all of their research is focused around bipartisan, data-driven social science. Another one comes from a book that details uh, the exorcism of jinns, and the book is titled Jinn Eviction as a Discourse of Power. Uh, it's a published study uh, on Moroccan magic. And another book called Legends of the Fire Spirits, Jinn and Genies from Arabia to Zanzibar by a researcher named Robert Liebling, who uh, is, and this is also another published study. So this is where a lot of my information came from. And here we go. Robert Liebling says, quote, Jinn are taken seriously and regarded as real, tangible beings by a large sentiment or large segment of the world's population. Uh, this was backed by the Pew Research Center, where they ran a poll with thousands of people from multiple countries surrounding the Middle East and Northern Africa. The amount of people in the poll who believe that gins are real ranged from the bottom, being Iraq, 55% of people believe gins are real. Damn. That's the bottom. At the top of that list is Morocco. 86% of Morocco believe that gins are real. <laughs> um, there are other studies and polls ran by the same research center uh, that cover things that surround gin, uh, talismans, uh, henna even. Mm -hmm. used like to, henna art? Yep, used to ward off Dude, gins. all these white girls warding off all the gins. I bet they're like attracting, bro. <laughs> the, cra the crazy thing is, uh, that was like one of the uh, the studies that showed up the the least for gins. For example, 
only four countries really believe, uh, about around four countries really believe in using objects to ward off jinns. All the other countries want to just stick to God instead of like these magical uh, objects. Okay, Those so countries are like Pakistan, Albania, Azerbaijan, and Kazakhstan. So all you white bitches coming back <laughs> from your mission trip with dreads and henna tattoos, not even the people there believe in yeah. it. They, they just, think uh, you're fake. You got you got swindled. Yeah. So you appropriated shit. <laughs> but you did it for the gram, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. oh, we're hating, but we're we're just as basic. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Uh, so Jen are taken seriously by a large number of countries and people in those countries. Uh, genies, on the other hand, uh, researcher Robert Liebling continues. Genies, on the other hand, are the Western. Westernized, commercialized, and often sanitized version of the jinn. He goes on talking in his book about how, where does the Western perception of jinn, or as we know, genies, uh, come from? And it starts with the book Arabian Nights. Arabian Do you know that? Arabian Nights. Yeah. So a couple uh, Hollywood classics, Arabian Nights, uh, they were turned into feature-length films. And uh, Arabian Nights uh, has another name. It's called like A Thousand and One Nights, something <laughs> like that. But it's a collection of, a, of, of stories from the Middle East, hundreds of stories. Two of the stories give meat to what uh, Westerners believe the genies to be or jinn to be. Mm. The first story is... Aladdin and the Marvelous Lamp. Uh, we all, except me, know how that goes. A <laughs> uh, little bit of background. DJ doesn't know Disney movies at all. We'll bring that up in a future episode. I think we should do that uh, next week. Yeah, that'd be fun. Oh, let's do it. If we stream. We played a game in Hawaii where we told DJ the title of a Disney movie, and he had to tell us what the plot was. And oh, What my I think the gosh. plot was. But I never watched I any of the uh, Disney princess movies. So. Dude, I, anyway. All I know is I walked in, and you guys were at a point where you are playing playing a song from movies. <laughs> and, and I had to guess, had to what, guess what movie. Bro, I was doing a good job at that, though. Sean was, like, hearing less than a note, and he was like, that's from the 34th minute of Aladdin. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? Can we continue? Continue. So the first story us of the origin is is Aladdin and the Marvelous Lamp. The second one is you didn't hear my joke. I said origins. Oh wow, that's good. <laughs> uh, two is tale of the fisherman and the jinn. Have you heard that story? No. If you told me more about it, I might recognize. Okay, it's it. a really cool story. So in this in this tale, there is a gym. There's, there's a jinn named Ashmedai. Ashmedai was accused by King Solomon of being an al Marid. Uh, Marid is a type of jinn. Interesting. So not only was he accused of being a jinn, but also being oh. an unbeliever of his self, an unbeliever in God. Okay. I was like, what the? How are you going to be accused of being a jinn and an unbeliever? <laughs> so. Ashmedai refused to proclaim faith in God. Okay. As a result, King Solomon punished him. And he did so by imprisoning Ashmedai in a jar, sealed the jar with lead, stamped it with the seal of Solomon, and inscribed it with God's name and cast it into the sea. 
Somebody's just going to find that shit. They did. Hundreds of years later, a fisherman found it, opened it, and out came Ashmedai and told the tale of how he was caught in the jar. So that story in Aladdin and the Magical Lamp is what, like I said, gave me to our perception of what jinn are. And we just kind of like bastardize it and called it genie, right? Yeah. I, I don't know exactly how it turned into genie, but... In reality, nobody I guess more wants or a less. friend like him. Yes. <laughs> I don't get that reference, but I'm sure I will soon. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so th- this, was, uh, this was the end of my findings on the origins of what our perception of jinn are. I wanted to go more into what they actually were. And what I found was there were many types of jinn. Mm. So I'm going to go ahead and start listing them off. So the first one that I found is called hin. Gin? It's the Mexican gin. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, ja, 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 ja. <laughs> so the hin, hin is found from the book of gin. ¿Qué pasó? The, the book of gin was written by a Persian cosmographer. What is a cosmographer? Uh, stars. Maps. Uh, it was published in the year 1283. Oh, damn. The book That's of gin. That's an old book, yeah, dog. Yeah. Uh, so this author... The uh, cosmographer or cosmographer. I don't know. Uh, he has a few pages in that book dedicated to the hen. So the hen, their characteristics are close to animals. Okay. They uh, favor the appearance of dogs. Animorphs. Exactly, dude. Animorphs. Uh, the author of this book was uh, fortunate to travel the world at that time and has accounts of seeing hen in his travels, specifically in Arabia, Persia, and India. So, How do you know if it's a heen? Uh, he sees them as animals oh. or change into animals. Ooh. So that's so, all I was able to reap on that Are specific. they synonymous, though, with like a skinwalker? Like they could be the skinwalker of the Middle East. Could be. And uh, Hinwalker. We, <laughs> we learn in our studies of, of the jinn, that they've been around since the creation and are supposedly, uh, according to some, the origin of everything bad or paranormal. And as I continue down this list of jinn, you can see how it could translate into other cultures. And these are okay. old. We've, we've, ta- we've touched on this before. But, like, there is a prevalent theory that, like you just said, jinn are the origins of like every supernatural cause that have so, gone to different cultures. Yes. Across they just the have world. different names. So there's fairies in Ireland and then there's like poltergeist in America and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. all of that people are like, that's just gin with different names. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's all gin. Okay. Yeah. I have more that, that will detail some of that. So the next gin that I have on the list is the Jan. Jan. <laughs> Jan's the word <laughs> from so, marketing. Jan from accounting. Jan is a shapeshifter. <laughs> Who lives in the desert. They take the form of whirlwinds and white camels. It's like a mirage, dude. Wild. This was really cool. Just like the the yurei and yokai, the Japanese monsters and and spirits, there's a very distinct, like they're characters and they take on, they have their own identity. It's fascinating. So they take on the form of whirlwinds and white camels. They're pretty open-minded about humans. So we're like chill? They can be. They can not be. Um, they have the power to hide or reveal oasis Ooh. in the desert. 
That's kind of nice. Maybe. <laughs> uh, they can. They have been known to protect armies they deem righteous Ooh. while impending those they deem unworthy. Dude, imagine that. A whirlwind <laughs> taking your side. Imagine <laughs> that. Yeah, I hate you. Um, but imagine that taking take, uh, the Jan taking your side in a battle. Oh, dude, you win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Got them white camels gonna... on your side. <laughs> We got a whirlwind on our side. <laughs> yeah. um, courses of history has been affected when Jan picks a side. History books uh, have excerpts of when armies won battles because the Jan has had picked them hmm. and been on their side to help win the battle. So that's nuts. It's dude. wild. It's wild. Uh, next on the list are the ghouls. Ghouls, oh, yeah, them scary. Also shape shifting. Are they known as ghouls? Yes. So ghouls like an Arabic word? They're an OG. OG. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe there's an Arabic word for ghoul. Mm. But uh, they're shape-shifting, cannibalistic, blood drinkers, and flesh feeders. The original zombies. So they'll eat other ghouls. Let me continue. Favor tra- they favor travelers, children, and corpses from graves to feed on. Yikes. They're nocturnal. They hang around graveyards, ruins, and lonely places. Most of them are dead humans who turn. Original zombie. The original zombie. Persian lore depicts ghouls having legs of a donkey and horns of a goat. Hmm. They are the enemy to the jan, the whirlwinds and white camels. Interesting. So there's beef in between jinns. Jinns oh, beefing. <laughs> okay. That's the ghouls. The next one are the palis. I don't know how to... I, I don't know how to uh, pronounces p-a-l-i-s palace the palace are vampiric foot lickers oh <laughs> the original foot fetish dog. Yeah. <laughs> they have low intelligence easily fooled like dumb as shit <laughs> <laughs> they attack sleeping people and drain their blood by licking the soles of their feet oh, this might be the scariest one <laughs> <laughs> bro i know we got a couple of palaces listening to our podcast on oh the Freya. they gave us 50 dollars for you to uh, post pictures of your feet on the live sent stream that shit back bro. yeah dude <laughs> I was like, nah, nah. these are worth 60 bucks you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that's the palace the next one is the chic S-H-I-Q-Q. Their lower form of jinn, they're, they're half-formed. Almost like they didn't complete an evolution or something like that is what, what I was reading. Hmm. They're half-formed. Because of that, they're monstrous in appearance. The Cyclops is, is an example of a chic. Mm. Oh. I'm thinking of like the weird dude in uh, 300. Ooh, that's uh, a good one, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, who can't lift his shield high enough. <laughs> <laughs> Your chic ass. Next one is the Shaitan. Oh! Our favorite. Yeah. The long time. Shaitan. Shout out Shaitan, dude. <laughs> I mean, Sh- wait. <laughs> what are you doing, dog? Maybe not. Don't shout that homie out. <laughs> uh, Shaitan uh, have the power to cast evil suggestions into the chests of men. It's never not funny, dude. It's never not. Uh, the Quran says they were made to be, quote, friends with the faithless. So people who have not chosen God or chosen Allah, they have companionship with shaitan. They want Allah, that smoke. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Next one is the Marid, which uh, was 
classification of the jinn in the fisherman tale. Okay. King Solomon uh, accused him of being uh, Al-Marid. So the Marid are often described as the most powerful jinn. Uh, Marid is Arabic for giant. Oh. So if you think of... Uh, Giants popping up again. At wow. least a genie or Will Smith in the new Aladdin. He's huge. Is he big in the original? Originally. Originally. But then he shrinks down. He, can, he has he the has ability to grow big. bit of living space. <laughs> he has the ability to grow big, right? Yeah. So I think that's derived from actual like context. They uh, the Marid can be giant. It's like Titans. Exactly. Uh, Marid are the most proud of all the jinn. Uh, according to folklore, they grant wishes, but it's not common. If they do, it usually requires battle, imprisonment, rituals, or flattery. It's like, I'm going to give you a wish, but you got to pay for it. So, like, so capitalistic genius. I would do the same thing. Mm, makes sense. I'm not just giving free wishes out anymore. <laughs> Wait, no socialists out here. <laughs> Finally, we have the Ifrit. Ifrit. I-F-R-I-T. Also, a pretty. if you've studied jinn at all, you've seen the Ifrit. They're pretty common, and they play an extensive role. So the Ifrit are infernal. They're male and female Ifrit. They're known for their strength and cunning. They're winged. They're born out of a smokeless fire. Uh, Ifrit have their own society. What the hell was that? Upstairs. I keep hearing noise behind me too, and I don't like the doors open. It's okay. Close, close the, door. the door, dog. We're um, right here. I need like a stick to close. <laughs> also, uh, we got a smokeless fire in here, so let's not be yeah. too like. Bro, I never noticed that. Don't say any weird words that you don't know the meaning. Cases just fail, like shades of gum. A la the smoke. A la the smoke. <laughs> Okay, uh, they're born of a smokeless fire. Ifrit are known to have societies complete with kings, tribes, and clans. Hmm. They marry each other, and although rare, have been known to marry humans. They can also procreate with each other and with humans. The original succubus, dude. Oh, the original succubus. Everything is like based off everything here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. The Ifrit were created by Allah. Have you seen Parent Trap? I don't know. The OG or the new one? She's like, Jesse, you gave me a fright. <laughs> I gave you a fright? I gave you a fright. That's what I keep saying in my head. <laughs> Stupid. Continue. Oh. Okay, so they can marry. They have societies. They have full societies, complete with their own governing systems. So they're fully functional. Hmm. Um, I think they also have the ability to transform into animals as well. But they usually look human um, with the ability to show their true selves as winged creatures or beasts. Uh, yeah, like Where's said, this HBO series? For real, I'd dude. watch this. I was thinking of uh, what's the new haunting Gargoyles. Hill House? Oh, Bly Manor? Not Bly Manor, but the religious one. Uh, Midnight Mass. Yes. Midnight Mass, yeah. That is the first thing I, that came to mind when they were talking Jin. about the Ifrit. Uh, is the vampire in there, kind of. I'm sorry, is Jin... Jin is, like, 
the term, the umbrella. Umbrella term. The umbrella and okay. all these are gins. The types of gin. So exactly. It's like Pokemon and then yeah. Pikachu. Yeah. yeah. So that's the Ifrit. And for our patrons, I'll be breaking down Ooh. notable characters uh, in the realm of Ifrit. Jeez. Uh, legends go. and lore that go along with that. So if you're not a patron, hit the link in our Instagram bio. Or It'll take not. you to patreon.com slash the 3 a.m. pod where you can listen to this or $2 cr- a month. Or cross your fingers and hope I f*** up again. So, <laughs> <laughs> patrons, welcome. Uh, we're continuing on with uh, Northern Africa. Uh, it's a very tangible thing to these people. So, that is the types of gin, types of ifrit. That's the studies that I found May we never cross paths with the bad ones. Agreed. Agreed. Bro, you, we should ask if Reed Moon has anything with gin. I bet he does, dude. 100%. All these fools. Just pulls out the original The genie bottle. Oh, yeah, he probably has the bottle. (laughs) The lamp. You got to rub me the right way. (laughs) (laughs) Christina. Shout out Christina Aguilera. Shout out Christina Aguilera. Thank you for supporting our podcast so much. I love a good origin story. Thank you, DJ. Fascinating. The artwork and everything is is crazy. Uh, we'll, like I said, post all of that up on the gram. Dope. And on YouTube. So that's me. Okay, me next. Yes, sir. Cool. That was crazy. Do you that remember was how, crazy. Do you remember how I was saying synchronicities? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. My little bro, I had a completely different story prepared for tonight. And because of what you shared about gin, I'm going to share something different. And really quick, because this episode's going long. My little bro last night sent me a TikTok. Very interesting. So shout out my little brother Aaron and shout out at Geodesaurus on TikTok. Have you guys ever heard of the well of hell? No, what is that? Sean has heard it. He watched the TikTok. (laughs) Have you? No, I have not. So there's like different wells like this or different things that might come to your mind. I believe there's like an open hole in in the Siberian tundra that's just like an open fire hole. Yeah, yeah. And it legit looks like the entrance to hell. We're not talking about this. Same as my, uh, same after their (laughs) Taco Bell, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Same as that joke, bro. Right, bro. (laughs) So we are going to a different one. This well is also known the Barhut well, and it's on the edge of Yemen. Mm-hmm. So this is what it looks like. This huge black hole in the middle of the desert. It's gaping for sure. It's for sure gaping. Dude, imagine <laughs> riding on a camel coming across this. Terrifying. Oh, Look, yeah. That whole uh, valley is like an imprint of somebody's ass. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, he has entered the hole. Repelling. Hold on, hold on, shut up. <laughs> so here's where here here is where it's at. Okay. Edge of Yemen and Omen. Okay. So the hole or the well of hell, the the Barhut well, is locally revered and pretty feared mm-hmm. because the legend is it is used as a prison for unruly jinn. <sighs> A prison. So, like, if jinn have acted acted up, they've, like, stepped out of line somehow. I don't know how. This is where they get thrown into jail. 
And the legend goes, if you are brave or foolish enough to go into this well, that they will claim your head. They will take it off. So everyone stays away. Plus, if you drink from any water at the bottom of this well, you'll die. Like, it's poison. Yeah. So very feared, way out there in the middle of the desert. And it's just, like, striking. Like, look at that. It's so crazy. So recently, I don't know how recently, but a team known as the Omani Cave Exploration Team, they decided they're going to go down there. Dope. So they get all their gear, and they rappel down. And what they find is not gin, but a really crazy ecosystem. So they go to the bottom, and this ecosystem is believed to be like, could potentially be millions of years old. First of all, gorgeous. Crazy. Pictures on the outside, it's desert, desert. and the well is pitch black. You enter in, and a beam of light is towering through the cave or the well itself. Think of like an unreal big cavern. It's huge. It feels like a Atlantis, a Disney movie. Like, look how big. You can tell it's, scale yeah, of people. It's huge. There's a banana for scale. This, this is definitely one you'll have to go on our IG or... Um, we'll throw a picture up. Yeah, or YouTube to like see. Okay, so they've, uh, they've made their descent. And they find an ecosystem. So down at the bottom, this ecosystem potentially... A unique one, millions of years old. It has snakes, lizards, birds, beetles. How has no one uh Because they thought this? that gins were in there and the water would kill you. Yeah. Okay. Local legend is one. One, it's so remote in the desert. It is pretty out there. And I think like if you look at it, it would require pretty um technical Extensive professionals. Yeah. 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 So it's like this thing had never been to our knowledge, had never been explored until yeah. pretty recently. Uh, and yeah, these super unique stalagmites, stalactites, all these rock formations, all the animals, and the they had cave pearls. Oh yeah, dude. So these weird, unique, like little balls. I don't know how they're made the same way as like stalagmites and stalactites are same same idea where it's like slowly over time, but it's like these little balls of like deposits and whatnot. Yeah. Very interesting. Did you know they also can do like carbon dating with stalactites and stalagmites? Just how like tall they are? Same as like uh, tree rings. They can like go into that and like see how the climate was during a specific time. Whoa. I just recently learned that on YouTube, so it's absolutely correct. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything uh, about these pearls? Any pertinent information? Not that I know. Magical uh, powers. Probably. My research extended to the end of the TikTok, which was about 30 seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, I had a different p- story prepared, but we're going for so long. I'm just going to share this short thing. It just seems crazy. Like the, the theme and the existence of gin is so widely pervasive over there. And it's like something it's relatively like new to us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like at least unexplored. Outside of a blue man on Disney. Uh, While DJ was telling his bonus story, I remembered the name of the Satanist, Aleister Crowley. Which, like, I'm ashamed because I feel like I've done a ton of research on black magic in the occult. And it's like, there's no reason I should have forgot that name. Yeah, really no reason. Drawing blanks. Shame on you. Aleister Crowley. I'm going to share more on this. 
a lot of what Aleister Crowley was doing was attempting to conjure a demon and or enact deals with the devil or things like that through rituals to gain power. That was a lot of what he was trying to do. Uh, he was kind of known as a mess. Very messy, not thorough, didn't mm. stick. He was like a drug addict, super deep into sex magic and things like that. Like he pegged his assistant for hours and hours and hours out in the desert. It's like a ritual. Well, damn. He was also known for like starting rituals and not finishing them, which is a Oof. huge no-no. No, no. When you, in Was it in the bonus story you were talking about the specific way to conjure a gin? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I recently was listening to an episode of Mysterious Universe where they were going over the devil in the music industry. Oh, yeah. And how pervasive it is that people talk about selling their soul to the devil. I will dive deeply into this sometime. But ba the basic... Soon? Hopefully. Next week? It, it's huge. It's huge. <laughs> it's such a big topic. It, take, us, take us to Astro World. <laughs> well, oh, they mentioned that. They mentioned that that's like... And everything I'm saying is just a joke. It's all a video game. It's not real. Don't... Whatever. Um, but you talking about how to conjure a djinn and use it for power, use it for you, is like the same exact thing in the same process Aleister Crowley was... Um, trying to... Engaged in. And there are places around the earth that... Um, that are known to have like a higher energy level. Uh, one of them's Sedona, Arizona, which was where I was like, there's known vortexes in Sedona. You can go to, and you can feel the energy is different. I was there this weekend. Anyway, one of those places is Loch Ness in Scotland. So what's his name? Alistair Crowley. And this is, I'm giving you like the very top, very, like very top iceberg. level. Yeah. Alistair Crowley purchases land near the Loch Ness and he starts doing one of these rituals that takes like a year long. It starts with fasting. Then it goes to praying and you have to like repeat something. Then you have to do something every day for 40 days, like all these steps. And he follows these steps, but he doesn't finish it. He's doing drugs. He's boning. He's partying. He's traveling around the world. Okay. Has okay. a bite to it's eat. acceptable. And he leaves. Breaks the fast. Leaves it. Mm. What he claims and what his followers claim is he, before he leaves, did bring something up through a portal into our existence, a very powerful demon. And he's like, it's okay. I sealed it. We're all safe. It's chill. Like I bound it to the spot. So we're good. He definitely didn't. No, people, people apparently around Loch Ness still are like, whatever he did, something? it's still like there. They claim... Whatever he conjured is the Loch Ness Monster. Like, that's where the appearance of the Loch Ness Monster started happening. Is like, he brought this demon through. Okay, he dies. But there are people all around the world who follow Crowley's footsteps. One of them being Led Zeppelin. Uh, Led yeah. Zeppelin, three of the four members. Have you ever heard of the Led Zeppelin curse? Uh -uh. I feel like I have, yeah. Once again, I'm giving like the briefest, but Led Zeppelin, the main guy, I forgot his name off the top of my head, super into Crowley, mm -hmm. like insanely into Crowley to the point where like named his kids after Crowley's teachings, stuff like that. That's dark. Sucks. Convinces, like the side of a moon. 
oh, that's Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's steps to this, <laughs> like a stairway to heaven. Maybe. There you go. <laughs> you immigrant song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, he convinces three of the four band members to do this ritual to bring power and like command of demons. And from that time on, they like, they put all these symbols in their art. They wear sigils on stage. Uh, in interviews, they're like, what does that stand for? And one dude like does not talk about it because if you talk about it, you lose that power and you potentially That's like die. True. First rule. Anyway, they buy the house on Scotland and they live there for a certain amount of time and they do things there. It goes deep, dude. Bro. But anyway, the ritual you were talking about, the very specific incantation to bring about jinn, is like almost word for word like what Crowley and his followers do wow. to bring up. And it's like the same way you enter into covenants or deals with the devil in other religious books. Bro. <laughs> anyway, that was a long, weird ramble, but it just like a lot of what I've been studying lately kind of ties into things you shared. Based, book. dude. Yeah, wild. <laughs> based okay hopefully that was at all valuable i apologize if that was all over the place uh real quick the last thing and i'll share it next time i do talk about this he trapped so more on that house in scotland people who went in afterward said like there was things painted on the on the floor painted on the ceiling like obvious uh, ritualistic things were happening. Right. And they've tried to clean it. They've painted over it and it just comes through. It comes back always. And Crowley said he trapped that thing in the center of his house. Right. Many years after, I think it's while Led Zeppelin owned it. Um, like a reporter or a journalist was staying at the house and had terrifying experiences and realized only after that he was staying in the center room of the house. Oh, why and the he, hell would you do that? There's a recording of him telling the he story. He probably didn't know at the time. No, he had no idea. He Afterward, he was like, yeah. dude. And they were like, oh. Okay. But it's he, because. <laughs> there's a recording of him telling the story I'm going to play for you guys. Oh, shoot. It's creepy to like hear okay. him talk about it. Tight. Okay. okay. That's me. I had another story. Whatever. We'll hear it <laughs> next week. Thank you. All right, guys. Shout out the well of hell, the Baru well. Well, hell. <laughs> Dude, I was in a place last week, too. Like, kid you not, I listened to, like, Dance with the Devil, like, five times in a row. I was like, bro, this Dude, is just so That's something heavy, dog. I'm going to bring up Dance with the Devil. I'm going to bring up Memphis rap. Have you looked into Memphis rap? But Memphis just recently passed St. Louis as the most crime, like, city in the United States. There's a ton of Memphis death rap, and it's where they murder someone and record it, and they distort it and put it in the rap, and they believe it gives them, like, dark demonic powers. So there's a ton of Memphis rap that supposedly has people dying in the background. Damn. But oh, it's shit. like they, they, they knowingly do that because they think it, like, gives them... Yeah, and they're trying to, like, get more power from the devil. Well, it goes that. dark. Dark, dude. It's stuff rituals who's from memphis what rappers well three, three six, six mafia, mafia bro. three six mafia, mafia. yeah there's there's some shit bro killer mike bro no, i got Atlanta. a lot of family that live out in that area memphis nashville or kansas there's a blues a blues musician 
who like widely known was dog shit came back and was like uh, came back from what like being away for a while and was like i sold my soul to the devil and all of a sudden he Dude, was i've heard the that. shit it was like robert johnson or something like that anyway that's me sean <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> stop mocking my boy dog that's so rude all night tonight Oh, ever since you said sarcastic laugh, I can't not see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. First of all, we're staying in Scotland for my story. <gasps> Everything's connected. Second of all, I want you to think of the scariest thing that could possibly happen to you. And I want you to make it scarier by thinking of that happening to a loved one instead. Oh, oh. it was getting my dick hole smashed. <laughs> Scariest thing to me is like being thrown into a loony bin and then like being gaslit into that you're crazy. Okay. And no. not being able to get out. Okay. Oh, that's freaking. That is I don't like that. Shutter scary. Island. Yeah. Oh, oh right. I see. Now I want you to think about the scariest thing that could possibly happen to your dog. No, my puppy. <laughs> I don't want this. I'm out. <laughs> What's wrong with you, bro? I'll pay you $2 to not tell this <laughs> to story. not tell this story. Well, I told y'all <laughs> earlier in the text that this one's going to stay with you for the rest of your lives. Oh, my gosh. Okay. If you can't handle this, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Love you all. So in Scotland, in a place called Darbutton, Darbutton, <laughs> Scotland, there's a bridge with a mystery that's led to the death <gasps> I've heard this. of everyone's dogs. The numbers reported vary, but... It's upward of 600 dogs have met their deaths on the Overton Bridge by way of suicide. So in 1859, the area around the uh, Overton Bridge was acquired by a, name who's, or a guy whose name was James White. Okay, I'm sorry. First of all, that sounds like 600 irresponsible dog owners. <laughs> okay, Leash this, your whole dog. Thing, this whole <laughs> thing Scotland. could have the easiest answer in the world. Okay, let's hear. It. Hold on. Wait. Let's see. let's Okay, I'll tell you the easiest answer in the world once I'm done telling yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, 1859, the area was acquired by James White. He builds he builds like this house on the property and passes this down like in his family. So, by 1884, John White had inherited the house and a problem. They had to go all the way around this deep ravine to get to the town on the other side. So John's like, problem solved, let's build a bridge. So he contracts someone to come and build a bridge from the house over this ravine, which is going to save them a ton of time getting to the town. The bridge is finally completed in 1895. And since that time, when the bridge was completed, it's become a popular place for locals and tourists as a scenic bridge. I actually have pictures, which we'll also throw up on our Instagram. So this oh. is the bridge. Dope. Looks it's, like it, it looks pretty cool. Beauty and the Beast type shit. Yeah. So tourists, dog walkers, everyone is checking this out. <laughs> and it's kind of cool, too, because it's pretty scenic. At parts of it, like the greenery is coming up almost to the top of the bridge. At some points, planes right there. Now, since that time as well, it's become a popular place for dog walkers. And many walkers have claimed seeing dogs 
seemingly possessed, jumping off the bridge to their deaths on the rocks below. Some people even claim that they've seen dogs climbing up the walls shortly before making the jump to their death. Stranger still, there have been reports of dogs that have survived jumping and jump again. So what the hell is going on? People need to stop walking their dogs. That's the simple answer here. That's the least they can do. <laughs> so Someone told the dogs all dogs go to heaven, and they were like, yee, yee, let's go. Six years ago, one of the most recent re- reports of this. It's still going on? It's still going on. A recent. woman named Lottie McKinnon was walking her border collie, Lottie. Bonnie, across the bridge. Lottie and Lonnie. Yeah, Lottie and Lonnie. Bonnie, actually, but still. Um, this wasn't something new. Like, they had walked on the bridge before. Sure. This time was different. They get to the edge of the bridge, and she says that Bonnie all of a sudden changed. Like, she stopped. Like, almost like she was, like, tracking something. She stops right at the edge of the bridge and then runs onto the bridge and jumps <gasps> right over the parapet. Fortunately, Bonnie was one of those dogs that survived. Oh, shit. And I don't know if this is the case, but if I'm Lottie, I'm never taking Bonnie to that bridge again. 11 years ago, there was a couple taking their Labrador, Sophie, for a walk. Sophie. Allegedly on leash. Once they get to the bridge, Sophie reacts so quickly and jumps out of her owner's, like yanks out of the owner's hand and jumps over. And as far as I know, did not make it. Dude, it's like call of the void for doggies. It kind of is. So this is such a serious problem that the Scottish Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals sent investigators, and they were even stumped by... Scotland Yard couldn't do it. Scotland Yard couldn't do it. (laughs) There are several theories, though. The first, and this is the residents of Dumbarton are superstitious and believe that this phenomenon is paranormal. The local legend surrounding this is that the White Lady of Overton, believed to be the ghost of the ex-estate owner John White. She's a grieving widow and... The legend goes that she coaxes the dogs to jump off of this bridge. What a bitch. (laughs) Some investigators suggest it's a little more normal. They suggest that the scent of animals within the ravine drive the dogs to rush after them. And because of their point of view, they don't see that they're jumping off of a bridge. They just are going towards the smell. Whether it is the White Lady of Overton... Or something more natural, like the scent of animals below in the ravine. Hmm. We'll never know. But what we do know is the easy answer is stop walking your dogs over the bridge. (laughs) Dang, that's sad. And that's it. Very short story that's going to have lasting impacts. That's depressing. I feel like if it were just the smell, there would be more bridges with this same exact thing. You would think. So it's like, I don't know. that, That seems to... Okay, but let's try to argue. Let's argue dog, for both. Or animals obviously have senses they tap into that. And self preservation. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? 
I just think they obviously have senses that they're able to tap into that we can't as humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Their sense of smell is what, a hundred times better than like a human? I have no idea. But their sense of sight is actually less than a human. Huh. Allegedly. I don't know if this is scientifically accurate. That's just what I've determined from listening to several stories about this. Huh. So I don't know. Okay, let's say paranormal. Yeah, it's weird. It is weird. And if there is stories of like dogs jumping and then climbing up crumpled and jumping again, it's like, okay, demolish the bridge. Yeah, or put up a fence. Something. Like the stuff they do over the freeway. Like, yeah, that still doesn't stop people either. Some I, I heard one theory was like maybe they saw like a bird below or something like well, that. Well, I think that goes along with the same kind of argument that they smell like an animal. But like I said, if that were the case, it would happen other places. It would. So it does seem odd. It is definitely abnormal <laughs> for dogs to be jumping to their dog. Yeah, what the hell? Bro, uh, like I said, we were in Sedona this weekend and we did a lot of hikes with Lucy. Like, all the hikes are dog-friendly, so we did a lot with Lucy, my dog. She's dope. Uh, shout out, Lucy. You have a dog? Uh, her name's Lucy. Golden Retriever. She's dope. Shout her out. Uh, but we did a couple, and I've never seen her so terrified of heights. She's usually Interesting. like... Like, we take her to the dog park, and there's, like, a cliff like this, and her favorite game is to run down that cliff as fast as she can, and it's, like, treacherous stuff. For the first, like, three months, I was like, no, 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 no. But then after a while, I was like, whatever. Like, Yeah. Anyway. So she's, like, very comfortable down, like, very steep cliffs. But I don't know. We were, like, hiking, and she was, like, clutching the ground at some point. And she, like, did not want to move. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I was so sad. But so I intimately recently had an experience where, like, yeah, dogs don't like cliffs or at all. Unless they're suicidal. Yeah. So I don't know what's happening. It's very odd. There are uh, accounts of animals being suicidal. Like, I think of Tarshirs in in the Philippines. Like, if you touch them. Which is, like, the world's smallest primate. But, yeah, they've been known to jump, like, climb to the top of a tree. They're like the Gen Z they, of animals. <laughs> they close their Kidding. eyes, and then they fall off. Oh, my to their gosh. Death. Wild. Just because someone touched them. Uh, they, hey. they like are, they get very stressed and it's they like have anxiety. girls that go out with me. <laughs> <dog>. Wild. <laughs> they, uh, even like flashes of cameras. They're like, Oh, gotta die. Freak, freaks them out. <laughs> so before you go in, they have signs that says no flash photography. Yeah. They will kill themselves. Oh Maybe it's like a sound. Cause dogs can hear a higher frequency. Maybe. Maybe there's some sort of sound that is being generated by wind that blows through the ravine. Dude, you might have just freaking solved this, dog. <laughs> dog. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf. <laughs> I don't know. Well, odd. It is odd to say the very least. Never taking Lucy to Scotland. Yeah, don't take Lucy to For Scotland. For at least two reasons. <laughs> Crazy. Boys, it's late. Bro, this has been close. a long hours. Yeah. It's uh, been nice, though. Yeah. Like getting back into it so we're grateful yeah. for everyone anything else uh we're gonna try to live stream next episode for patrons so, so you'll be hearing this on friday and we live stream monday is the plan so well that's valentine's tuesday. day are we gonna try uh, and do tuesday maybe instead? tuesday we'll let you know y'all might be booked yeah and <laughs> all these losers <laughs> they're all alone <laughs> Just i kidding. was talking about you two oh. but 
All right. Well, thank you so much. Anything to close? Anything we need to cover? Nope. All right. With that, till next time. Bye, love you. Be safe. Be sure. careful out there. Trust your gut and watch your back, everyone. Watch out for Jin. See you next week. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3 a.m. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3 a.m. pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me, Murder in House 2, a new podcast from Crowd Network. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh-huh. You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.